0: Hey everyone. Welcome to the Oasis podcast. I'm your host, Mr. AJ. Thanks for tuning in. An Oasis is something that provides refuge, relief, or a pleasant contrast. And that is exactly what you will find tuning into the Oasis podcast. This is a space where I and special guests will be cultivating intentional and honest conversations about life's journey. Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and watch us on YouTube Wouldn't you love to create your own personal oasis? What is an oasis you ask? An oasis is something that provides refuge, relief, or a pleasant contrast that is exactly what you will find at AJO Consulting Services LLC. AJO Consulting Services is a company that provides individuals, communities, and businesses of color with coaching and consulting services, personal professional development, as well as social and community connection services. These services include, but are not limited to, dating, life, relationship, and business coaching, finance management, travel experience curation, wellness navigation, and much more. Are you ready to find, connect, and release? Come experience your Oasis today. Visit our website to learn more at www.ajoconsultingservices.com. Follow us on Facebook at AJO Consulting and Instagram at AJO Consult. Also, email us at info at AJO dot com. Welcome, welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. Thank you all for joining us again on this week's episode. And today we have with us Miss Katanya Trent. Hi, Katanya. Hi. <laughs> so. Today's episode, we are speaking about, well, in honor of Prematurity Awareness Month, we are talking about premature birth and awareness, and Katanya was the first person that came to mind, and once you hear her story, you'll understand why. She is super amazing. I actually wore this shirt on purpose, Wonder Woman, because that's exactly what I think you are. (laughs) Just your experience, your strength, even after to share your story and bring awareness to, you know, moms and families going through this or have gone through this is amazing. And I definitely want us to be able to share it with our community, especially those of us who are of color. I don't think this is stuff that we really talk about and things that we're not really aware of and i think it's really essential for us to share that so i'm, I'm so grateful to have you here with us please do introduce yourself to our listeners and our viewers.
1: yes thank you so much first off thank you for thinking of me and choosing me to speak on this topic for those who don't know my name is katanya trent i'm an author a mom to an amazing four-year-old. I like to consider myself a public impact speaker. I work as a, an accountant in the office by day, but my heart is to bring awareness and share in regards to premature, premature births and just encouraging and providing support to families.
0: Thank you. You got a dynamic life, like accountant by day, right? <laughs> uh, advocate by night, or I guess Uh, coinciding with what you do professionally. So let's just dive right in and like tell us about your story.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you. So for those who don't know, I wrote a book titled 22 and six going on 1126, where I share my story and go into deep detail about um, giving birth to my son and what goes on behind the walls of the NICU, which is the neonatal intensive unit. My son I delivered him at home alone at 22 weeks and six days pregnant. Um, When I found out I was pregnant, my partner and I was just, we were ecstatic that we were starting our own family. You know, this was our first child. And for the first three months, I did experience a lot of sickness in the first three months. And I didn't tell anyone for a while that, you know, we were expecting but after my first trimester, I start to feel better. I started to feel good about my pregnancy. And unexpectedly, I gave birth at 22 weeks. Um, the morning of, I did wake up jokingly telling my partner, um, I think I'm having contractions. Because I was feeling something different this mm-hmm. time when I woke up. But I didn't think it was anything major. Throughout my entire time, the first, you know, five or four months that I was pregnant, I had my scheduled routine doctor visits. Not once that they made anything aware to me that I was high at risk. As a black woman, and I think this is very important, they don't tell you that the odds for being a black woman is, you know, you're high at risk for infant mortality, Giving given birth early and there's so many other statistics that we're unaware of and unfortunately I found out the information after because of my experience Mm -hmm. but I'm getting back to the story I woke up just jokingly saying to him like oh I think I'm having contractions you know and he you know was like wait you know is this serious do I need to stay home from work and I was like no just go to work everything's fine I'm just joking uh-huh. and I actually was having contractions I didn't know but he went off to work and I tried to go back to sleep but my body was giving me signals and it would not allow me to rest and I did give him a call to let him know like you know something don't seem right so I decided to reach out to my doctor the morning of my doctor asked me standardized questions Mm-hmm. Um, and I bring that to the forefront because she did not ask me questions based off what I was feeling and or experiencing at the time. And looking back, it seemed like it was more of like a textbook standardized questionnaire that she was asking me. Had she took the extra mile and the extra care, she, she would have realized I was having actual contractions and not Braxton Hicks at 22 weeks. And within an hour or so of speaking with her, I delivered my son at home by myself. Yeah. Leading up to the birth, I started to feel pressure. Not once while I was actually in physical pain, but there was a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And the pressure started to build up very rapidly. So I knew something was going on with my body. I just didn't know what it was. I and mean, during that time, I did reach out to a few people, text messages. don't ask me why, I didn't never pick up the phone before. <laughs> I think I was so much in my head trying to figure out and process what was going on. I did let my partner know at the time, you need to come home now. And he said, okay, I'm going to speak to my boss. I'm coming home. And this last time I started to feel this really intense pressure in my body. So I lie down on the couch and then my water broke. And when that happened, I immediately dialed 911. And as I'm speaking to the operator, I started to have an out-of-body experience. During that time, I was able to see myself lying on the couch, speaking to the operator on the phone. And then the unthinkable happened. My son is here. I, I looked down a few times and in my mind, I'm like, this is not happening to me. This is not what I think it is. But it was. He was halfway out. So eventually I told the operator that my son is here and she had to instruct me to pull him all the way out. We were still connected by the umbilical cord at the time. And she instructed me to wipe his eyes, his nose, try to get all the fluid out in the areas. Like I said, it was an out-of-body experience. I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel my hands touch him to pull him out. There was no physical pain. um, that occurred during that time and I just thank God for my guardian angels who guided me through that process because even at the time when I delivered him never fully saw his face or his body everything was blurred out and I feel as though they were protecting me at that time to not to see his physical being I just remember him being a blur of like brownish, bluish color. He was unresponsive. He was not crying or anything, just laying on the couch lifeless. And the responding team, they came very quickly and was able to come upstairs and cut the umbilical cord, provide him with oxygen through a um, the oxygen mask. And I could see his little rib cage going up and down um, mm-hmm. as they were facilitating air in his body. At the time, he was one pound, six ounces when he was born. So he was very small. I mean, I can fit him in the palm of my hand. Yeah, so um, that's just the meat and potatoes of the story. There's a lot that I won't disclose because I want you to go get the book and read it. <laughs>
0: Yes, yes, Show that book. Show that book, girl. Yes, yes. yes. Definitely going to add the book information in the notes. Writing Our Own Stories, Incorporated is an organization that embraces and uplifts authors of color and equips them with the tools and resources to write their stories. Writing Our Own Stories, Incorporated provides seminars, workshops, and a collaborative writing group setting where authors can feel free to write. We believe in the transformative power of storytelling, and we will continue to make space for all stories to be told. Writing Our Own Stories Incorporated provides a safe and welcoming space for all aspiring authors to tell their story. If you're interested in joining our writing group or learning more about our organization, check out our website at www.writingourownstoriesinc.org. That's www.writingourownstoriesinc.org writing our own stories inc.org and make sure and follow us on ig and facebook at writing our own stories for sure for sure for sure of course you don't have to talk about it all because we want people to read it i guess we can again which you feel comfortable sharing that's not already in the book but i guess for yourself were there any signs prior you know, for you personally in now in hindsight, like, oh, you know, I did feel this thing, or you know, maybe there were like some test results that were there, but they told me that no one said anything. Like, was there anything that kind of was like an indicator? Prior to no.
1: But the day of I was using the bathroom a lot. I mean, at some point I stopped counting. I was like, what's going on? I keep going. I thought maybe I was having like a stomach virus or something. I definitely, that was a big sign that I learned later, um, using the bathroom a lot, where I thought, you know, at the time that I had something going on, the stomach bug or something. Um, that was like a huge indicator that I found out later that, you know, it's signs for birth, even though I was told, you know, it may be Braxton Hicks, but no. No, no.
0: So I know you talk a lot about your experience and give tips to moms in the NICU. So talk about kind of how that was. So he's now in the hospital and what that journey was, you know, from him entering the hospital to him leaving the hospital.
1: Absolutely. I do want to just touch a little base on when we were transported to the hospital, We were sent to the local hospital here in my town in Riverhead, and they do not have a NICU. So they do not have a a unit where they care for premature babies. So the nearest hospital, which is Stony Brook Children's Hospital, they came and took him where they was able to care for him. And my family and I fought for me to be transported to that same hospital with him, but unfortunately, I had to stay overnight in the hospital that we were first sent to, which was kind of hard because, you know, delivering a child at 22 weeks, you don't know what's going to happen. And to be separated mm-hmm. from your child and um not knowing is very, very scary, very scary. Luckily, I was discharged the day after, even though I probably should have stayed maybe an extra day or two just to make sure everything was okay. But they said everything was fine. They tested everything and I never received the reason why this happened to me. And I had to accept that later on in my journey, I had to come to terms and acceptance of that because for a long time, I did blame myself for everything that occurred. But My son was transported to Stony Brook University Hospital, where he spent six months there. And throughout that journey, it was hard. It was, because for the first three months, we didn't know if he would make it. The doctors would call us into the conference room weekly to let us know this is what parents do when giving birth to a child at 22 weeks. But we always would say, if he's fighting every day, we're going to fight with him every single day. We're not going to give up on him.
0: Right. Yeah. Just hearing that, it's a lot. Like It's like, I can't even imagine the day-to-day of that and getting through that period. What do you feel was helpful in getting you through that time?
1: I felt what was helpful for us at the time was disconnecting from the world outside of me. A lot of people at the time didn't know I had gave birth early because I really shut down the world outside of me. Um, if you wasn't personally close to me, you may have not known what I was going through. I didn't post anything on social media. I didn't, you know, reach out to random people. I was not looking for validation. I wanted that real genuine love and support that I needed at the time. My faith was very huge. Um, At times, if I couldn't pray for myself, I had family and friends praying with me, for me, all over. So that that was very helpful. And also connecting with other families within those units that helped get me to the next level, to help me be vulnerable, to help relate on the level that my own family may have not been able to relate to, Um, even speaking with the staff at the hospital, the nurses were, they were just the best. They really were. They have all the knowledge and the information in regards Mm -hmm. to your child's care. The doctors as well. They were wonderful, but I really, really say connect with the nurses there because they sit bedside with the children, with excuse me, with the babies 12 hours a day. So connecting with them, asking them questions and being real with yourself and your situation in that time and not getting ahead of yourself every day was different Mm. can you imagine for six months 180 days spending in the hospital and every day being different so just literally taking one day sometimes one minute one second at a time and just being in that moment and not getting ahead of yourself there were times where you I would try to look beyond the current situation and then we would take 10 steps back So that is why I say that because it's important to just live in the moment and focus what is currently going on and to celebrate those milestones and those beautiful moments that occur and that happen and not say, okay, this happened, but we're looking for the next. Celebrate that moment, celebrate those milestones, and then the next day take on the next day.
0: I know going through that experience was very traumatic. And it probably took some time to kind of like unpack it, to kind of wrap your brain around everything that happened. So what exactly motivated you to decide, I'm writing this story? Like, I have to share this story.
1: Well, for one, I never heard a story like it before. For
0: me,
1: it was, and to this day, sometimes my son is four years old, thank God, and he's thriving, but... I've never heard of anything like it. And sometimes I can't believe it happened to me. Sometimes I say, why me? But then I have to stop and say, why not me? I feel like God put me in this place to share so I can help and and give hope and support to others. And as well, of course, other people who heard the story, even family and friends would say, you need to write a book. You need to tell your story. And not knowing at the time I had a whole blueprint of my story, going to the hospital every day, I would write down notes or questions to Mm -hmm. ask the doctors or write down things I did not understand. And even I would write down my feelings at the moment, if I was feeling a certain way or just, you know, random journaling. That's another huge thing I would suggest. But during the process, I realized there wasn't enough support and care and then when i got home after the entire experience there's a lack of support when you get home there's not that whole medical team that's that is surrounding you on a daily basis Mm -hmm. so i thought it was important to share because if i'm feeling lonely i know there's the thousands of women outside who have experienced similar situation who's walked through those NICU doors and came home and felt the same way. So mm-hmm. I, I felt like it was important to, to share so we can start having these open conversations in our communities and learning the statistics of infant mortality, premature births. It's time as women that we start supporting each other and mm-hmm. sharing our stories, so we can provide hope and support to the next woman going through a similar situation.
0: Writing Our Own Stories, Inc. has released its debut book, For Black Women by Black Women, an anthology of lessons learned. This debut anthology is a love letter to Black women and for everyone who loves, knows, or wants to support Black women. Purchase your copy of the anthology at www.writingourownstoriesinc.org. Again, that's www.writingourownstoriesinc.org.
1: I may seem strong and in, in the process and during the process, but there may be another mom or another family who mentally can't handle what I may have been able to handle. So I think it's, we have to stop saying, well, if I went through it, she can get through it. If, I, if my family supported me, their family is going to support me. We don't know what everyone's mm-hmm. mental state is, what everyone's support looks like. Mm-hmm. So I think it was important for those reasons, you know, and especially in our community, we have to stop holding back on the stories that can save lives mm-hmm. and that can bring awareness to ourselves and our own community. It's important.
0: Yes, you absolutely right. There's so many, I would say, important life lessons, I think that are just not shared. You know what I mean? And even though it could, in one's life, it could be considered a negative thing or a tragedy, but there's still a lesson in that, right? You got through it. And that in itself shows, you know, anyone else who might be going through it, that it's possible, but we like, keep that in and we don't share it for whatever the reasons. And I think it's such a huge disservice to those who need really need to hear that from someone they know, right? They can read it on a blog or read it in a book or a magazine, but it doesn't hit the same when it's someone who looks like you, someone who's close to you. And I really, I feel like I've been having more and more of those type of experiences because I have started my fertility journey like two years or so ago. And so in doing that, just looking into certain things and then like I'm prompting certain conversations this is when people are like hey yeah I've experienced this on this and it's like you know like I never knew that you know I mean it's like but why don't you share that right because I'm thinking oh, oh man this is only me you know I'm thinking oh I don't know talk to because I don't know anybody close to me who's ever experienced that and just having that person one person just be like oh yeah I've been through that that just makes you not only just feel like you're not alone but it gives you a resource now that, you know, that that's that's just invaluable, right? Like it's it's amazing to have. And so you're absolutely right. Us, we need to share. We need to talk so that one, we know that these these things happen to us. Because if we don't talk about it, we think, oh, that's something that doesn't happen to us. It happens to those other people. And that's not true. Right. Yep. At all. Because I. So I know you mentioned it was after the fact that you learned about the statistics and certain things. Yeah, Black women do experience things at a higher rate. Whatever you remember to share or you know, know off the top of your head, can you share some of those things that you learned after the fact?
1: Sure. So just because I have the book right in my hand, <laughs> I do put in here statistics of some of the um, things that I was speaking about. So according to the CDC, one in every ten infant is born pre preterm, mm-hmm. and the rate of preterm births amongst black women is fifty percent higher mm-hmm. than white women. Mm-hmm. The rate for infant mortality for black women is ten percent higher than any other race, and black women have the highest neonatal mortality rate at seven percent, and those were things. I was not privy to at all and I think even you know I think the the healthcare system needs to take a step further in making sure this information is communicated to a woman of color when they find out that they're pregnant when they go to their scheduled routine doctor visits it doesn't have to be talked about in depth but just making you aware but mm-hmm. they're not they're not going to do that so that's why it's important we share each other's stories because we all know how the healthcare system works when it comes to us, so that's why I really think it it God placed this on me so I can start bringing this aware this awareness to the forefront because it's important. Okay. It's very important.
0: Yeah, it's it's greatly and hugely important. So. After enduring this and going through this experience, writing this book, what would you leave our listeners and viewers with who, you know, may be going through this or may know someone, you know, who this has been impacted by having a premature birth? What would you leave them with or that could be anything, tips, tools, resources, anything?
1: Definitely, if you're going through this, I know it's hard and I know it's tough, but try to connect with someone who may have gone through this or who can direct you to someone to help talk to during my journey it was hard for me to look up and look at other people in their face it was this like a feeling of shame and guilt that was brought upon me and I can't explain why a part of it a part of it was because I felt like I done I had done this to myself and that was a part of the healing to realize it wasn't my fault. But try to connect with a community or a person, a family, another mom who have or who had experienced this. Connecting with another mom or two during the time we were in the NICU, while they were in the NICU really gave me comfort. It gave me a lot of comfort. I'll definitely say to journal throughout your process get those feelings out journaling is so important because going through this I realized after that there are stages of this is the same it puts you in the same space as grief even though someone my child did not pass away
0: right.
1: there's losses and mm-hmm. giving birth early you have these expectations of what your child going to look like, what your child going to do. So there's loss in, in this, and it puts you in the stages of grief. So Mm -hmm. um, definitely try to journal, seek a counselor. If you can, the hospital I was in did not provide counseling or therapy services. I don't know how every facility works, but during the time, of course, you know, you're so consumed with the care and the trauma, that it may not be the right time, but after, when you find time, seek out counseling, because there is feelings that you need to get out. It's going to show up later on in life. I still experience those stages of grief sometimes, but I know how to handle them in ways Mm -hmm. that I did not know how to handle the, handle it in the beginning. It also helped me learn my triggers and how to respond to my triggers. And that's important for you to know, because During the process, I did develop post-traumatic stress disorder. And I didn't know at the time what was going on. Why am I seeing an emergency service vehicle with the lights flashing? Why am I crying? And my heart is racing at a thousand miles per hour. But now I'm able to face it and handle it in a different way. Mm -hmm. So seek counseling and ask for help. And I know at the time you may not know what it is you need help with. Mm -hmm. But let people know that you need help, especially if you have other children, if you have a family, something as simple as having people provide, cook you a meal or provide you with gift cards Mm -hmm. to get a meal is so important because Kareem was my first child and I could not imagine having other children while going through this. So right. if you are a fam, you know, if you're a mom uh, and have multiple children reach out for help, even to local churches or mm-hmm. just um, speaking to other people in the hospital, May if your family is not able to provide that help, can you may, you know, find someone that can help you direct you to the right resource or person that can help you in other areas of your life to help make things a bit
0: easier. That's, I think, one wonderful advice <laughs> or anyone. So tell us where we could find your book and make sure people get it. So I'll definitely add that information, but tell us where we could find your book as well as what's next for you. Sure. So
1: my book could be found on Amazon. (laughs) So I don't have a website at the moment. That's something that's coming up. You can follow my Instagram page. It's connected with a K through 22. So that's K-O-N-N-E-C-T-E-D. T-H-R-U in the number 22, where you can direct message me, where you can send me payment via cash app, Venmo. So yeah, that those are the ways you can purchase my book. And what's coming up next? Ooh. <laughs> I am actually going to be a guest on another podcast in the upcoming few weeks called Upward Mobility. Shout out to Robert O'Donnell. He's a co-worker of mine. I have a new podcast up and running, so I'll be a guest on his podcast. And also, I was asked to speak in the year of 2023, next year. Already, my calendar is starting to get full. I'm like, this is exciting to speak for an organization during Black Maternal Health Week. So I am very, very excited about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. And I am in the process of birthing a new baby. <laughs> I have an organization called Connected Through 22, which I've done a DBA for. So I'm looking to provide a safe space for women and families who have premature babies where we can connect through resources and stories to help uplift and support one another. Mm -hmm. And through the organization, I am looking to provide and host baby showers where Mm
0: -hmm. I provide essential
1: items to to families and moms who are in the NICU with the essential items. They will get at a baby shower. Um, I was Mm -hmm. fortunate to have a baby shower during my journey, but I was kind of forced. And I thank God every day for that nurse that pushed me and for my family for jumping on board but most families will not have a baby shower most um families don't want to celebrate themselves yes. they don't want to celebrate the baby because it's such a traumatic experience that you're just you're scared you're afraid <laughs> yes you're scared you're afraid and every day you're living to fight for life and mm-hmm you're so caught up and wrapped up in the care of your child that a celebration is not something you want to do. So I am looking to do that to help lift the burden and help celebrate moms and families because they deserve it.
0: Yes, that is wonderful. I love that. I love that. Katanya, thank you so much. <laughs> I, thank you. I, I, since the first time I heard your story, I was just like, that is amazing like I I mean I know it was probably a lot but the fact that you have just the ability to share that story and you didn't think oh this was a secret that I have to keep to myself but it's like I need to share this because even you sharing your story made me start thinking about it this is important it made me go oh wow like (laughs) I didn't know this was a thing let me look into it and we need at least to have the sea planted you know so that when our time comes, we can be more informed. We can advocate for ourselves. We can advocate for the, those that we love. And I think that what you're doing is absolutely, you know, your calling. And I know God gave you this calling for everything. And I am so thankful that you chose to share your story with us. Thank you. Thank you so, so, so much.
1: No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And like I said, thinking of me and celebrating me because it's important you know so thank you
0: thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the oasis podcast i hope you were able to find something that resonated with you on your journey don't forget to subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts and youtube rate us and leave us a review and comment on apple podcasts itunes and youtube share your favorite episode and like us on instagram and facebook if you have any questions comments want to be a guest, or any show ideas, contact us at ajsoasis at gmail.com. That's A-A-Y-J-A-Y-S-O-A-S-I-S at gmail.com. Or direct message us on Instagram and Facebook.